0: Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church, Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk Good morning, Gateway. Uh, Good to virtually see you again. I'm sure it's great for you to virtually see me again. A little bit of arrogance on my part, but again, I'm an American. We can help it, but we choose not to. Um, This is part two of a very short series on how God wants to equip us to go forward, to navigate challenges um, that he has for us so we can experience more of the promises of God in our lives. Now, I want to say something about the promised land, about God's promises, Sometimes we feel like the promises are primarily our achieving our own personal destiny, um, becoming the person we're called to be, and achieving all that God has for us. And that's true. That's true. But there's more to it than that. Um, I believe there a lot of these promises have a lot to do not our fulfilling our calling per se, but fulfilling our purposes in impacting the lives of others. Um, More broadly, I really believe that for any church that is a genuine church, any church, the church's promised land is people. People who are in captivity, people who are swallowed up by the world, people who are good, but they don't know Jesus. Anybody who doesn't know know Jesus uh, is in trouble um, in a deep, eternal way. And one of the biggest mandates, one of the biggest purposes of the church is that God use us and mold us and move us around so that we can experience more of the promises, which is we bring more people into the kingdom, that we're even more involved in the harvest than we were before. I um, just want to put that out there because uh, many people, many people go, well, I know I have a destiny, but that may be just a little too prideful. Good enough is good enough. Mm, that's only if you think your promises or your destiny is only about you. What if you fulfilling God's call in your life brings your kids in or inspires kids or impacts communities or opens up a whole bunch of things that nobody but you can open up. What 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 if your calling involves impacting others and rescuing people or bringing the gospel so their lives are transformed, that it, it sort of undercuts some of our excuses for playing it safe. Um, in any case just a just a, a, a review. I'm going instead of talking about Caleb, this time I'm gonna talk about Joshua. Again, you know the story. The people of God, Israel, they were held captive in Egypt. With a mighty right hand, God used Moses to bring the people out of bondage, out of captivity. And he led them through the desert, doing signs, wonders, and miracles, blessing them, defending them. Of course, disciplining them every so often. And he, he brought the people through the desert. Um, in doing so, he blessed them. But just being blessed, while it's great, I'll take the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not the same thing as experiencing the fullness of your calling, of your promise, of your destiny. Now, Joshua understood this. Joshua uh, was the number two guy under Moses. Joshua was the general of the armies. Joshua was a faithful servant. Joshua had been mentored by Moses in the area, not just of you know, the mission, but also in prayer. Moses taught Joshua how to pray. Every time Moses went into the tent of meeting, he brought Joshua in. And I believe one of the things that was imparted to Joshua was Moses' secret was not that he was such a bold leader, although he was. His secret was not that he was so skilled, he had an understanding of people and all that. It's true. His secret was how he connected with God when no one was looking. And Joshua, he saw that. He saw that. And so when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay just a little bit longer because he goes, man, if that works for Moses, I want it to work for me. Just as a sidebar, the disciples of Jesus, they figured out our personal prayer life was like really important. When they followed Jesus and saw him do all these wonderful miracles, they really never asked, Hey, uh, show us how to do that. Show us how to do that. Now no, they just watched, they watched, they watched. And then one day they made a request of him. They said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Why did they do that? Because over time they saw the connection. Between how he lived, the fruit of his life, the the, the impact of his ministry, they saw the connection between that and his private personal life. And they go, man, we want this. We're followers of Jesus. We want to advance the kingdom of the Father. We want to do that. How does Jesus do that? Well, necessary element was hanging really tight with God. So the disciples learned that from Jesus. Joshua learned that from Moses. Now, you know the story. Joshua uh, became leader. Moses died. Moses got a little presumptuous. Um, And they're they're getting ready to cross over. There's been this long history of being delivered out of Egypt, going through um, uh, the desert, all the battles, all the blessings, all all those dealings of God. And now it's sort of like, They know there's a new season coming upon them. That where they've been is not going to be repeated. That they're entering into a new season. Sort of like any church that's following Jesus right now. They're entering into a new season. They understand the promises. They don't know what it's going to look like. But they know there's new things. I want to take us into Joshua's devotional time. In Joshua chapter 1, he had a very unique devotional time, a connection with the Lord. God started speaking to him. First thing he said is, uh, Moses is dead. Now, of course, Joshua knew that. Joshua knew that Moses was dead. Why? Because Joshua was always following around Moses. So what was God saying? He was not informing Joshua that Moses was dead. He was saying, new day, new ways. He was not criticizing Moses. He was not saying the old ways were bad, but he was saying basically the way of doing church, the way of doing leadership that brought people out of bondage through the desert was great for that season. But in order to actually experience the promises of God, you can't just try to replicate or improve on the old way. Joshua, Moses is dead. You got to find out who you are, how you're created to be, and you know. You, hopefully, you know. Joshua turned out to be a very different leader. He was not always the tip of the spear, but what he did is he equipped leaders. He so so that instead of this one line taking the uh, taking the land, he equipped the tribal leaders so that they go take take land. Moses was fruitful, but Joshua he multiplied. And so uh, he was given permission to do the leadership thing, to do church, if you will, in a different way. Then he says this, this is in Joshua 1. Now I want you to get ready to cross over. I'm going to return to this. Get ready to cross over. Another word for get ready is to prepare to cross over. Joshua was already bought into the promises of God, just like Caleb. They believed the promises. They were all in for the vision for the people of God. They were in. They had a lot of faith for it. And then God says, now I want you to prepare to go over. I want you to prepare to go over. Did you know that sometimes it takes as much faith to prepare for the promises as it is to have faith in the promises themselves? If God says, man... You, I believe you're going to be an impactful uh, uh, marriage team. Amen. I believe it. Hallelujah. We're going to pray into it. Da, da, da. Now prepare to do it. What does that mean? Maybe get ministry. Maybe get counseling. Read a couple books. Prepare for the promises that you say you believe in, or God's going to use you financially. You're going to be a, a, an abundant source of blessing. You know, and, oh, that's great. I don't, have, I don't have hardly any money, but God's going to bless me. I'll be generous. This is great. How do I prepare to experience the promises? Ah, oh, get a budget. You know, just simple things like that. And so it's really interesting. You know, new day, new ways. Joshua, go for it. But you and the people prepare now for a new future, for new ways of doing things, for experiencing promises that you have never experienced in captivity, in the desert so now get ready to cross over and then he he tells Joshua look he puts you on a high place look at the promises can you see them this is not imaginary it is not wishful thinking sometimes God wants us to really focus on where he wants to lead us so we go this is the template this is how I'm interpreting my experience this is where I'm going it's not just an optional thing that if it works out, great. But if it doesn't, at least I have plan B. He, he said, get immersed in God's plan for your life, in the promises. And so Joshua's, you know, he's having this devotion. Okay, Moses is dead. I get to find out what kind of leader I can become. I'll start preparing. I got it. I don't know what you mean by that, but I'll prepare. See the promises. Okay. Forget about what I think I can and can't do. I'm going to actually look at what God is saying. Just really think about it. Meditate on it. Say yes to it. So this is, a, this is a great devotion. And then God throws in something fantastic. He goes, "Now see what you see? It's all yours. Wherever you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you. No one's going to be able to stand against you because I'll be with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Can you imagine having that sort of devotional? Yeah, you, you've been part of something great in the past, and now you're in the precipice of experiencing some new things. And you're a leader, you're an influencer, and God says, "Look, don't be wedded to what happened before. Because what happened before may not be reproduced in the future. That maybe new day, new ways, learn new ways." Find out the new ways that God wants to lead you into the future that he has for you. This is true for individuals. This is true for churches. And and so you're you're inspired, like you're excited. We're on an adventure. And then God says, listen, you, you're going to do it. Wherever you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you. Can you imagine having those promises and then God coming behind it? giving the reassurance. No, really. These are not just promises that I tell you to get. These are promises that I'll lead you into. I'll fight for you. I'll be with you. Nobody will be able to stand. Could you imagine coming out of that devotion? I don't know about you. I'd be going, yes, I can do it. I mean, I would be all over the place. I'd be telling my wife, honey, God said, we're going to be invincible. She would roll her eyes and go, and what else did he say? I want to focus on the preparation aspect when God says, now prepare. What's interesting, I believe that when God says prepare, Joshua probably thought, oh, you're going to prepare me in the future. But immediately during this devotion, God started preparing him right then and there. Right after he said, I'll be with you. No one's going to be able to stand against you. God started saying a few things. He said, Be strong and courageous. A little later, he says, Be strong and very courageous. A little later after that, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. I'm going to be with you after god had downloaded some inspirational vision and really made clear the promise of god god tells a very courageous very strong man to be strong and courageous what is going on there i believe god started preparing joshua in the middle of that devotion By speaking words of strength and encouragement. Why did he need it? Because the battles that he is going to fight are battles that he has never fought before. And every place he's going to set his foot, God's going to give it to him. But wherever he sets his foot, someone is already living there. What God was doing was strengthening Joshua's strengths. That may be humbling for some. But some of the things we go, well, I'm really good at this area, so I won't really need God. I'll just need God in the area where I'm weak. God's going, no, 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 no. If you take your strength uh, with your understanding of your strength, you will not have what it takes to go forward. I'm going to give you strength and courage so you can go into the new things. God was already preparing Joshua in the middle of that devotional. And God was not just commanding him. He was imparting strength and courage. You all know this. When God speaks, he never just gives information. He never just tells you what to do. God's words have a power to impart things that were never there before. When the earth was formless and void, what was God's solution? And then God said. Where things were chaotic, God's words brought order. When things were empty, God's words brought fruitfulness. So... God is actually imparting, not just commanding, he's imparting strength on top of the strength he already has. So the first thing of preparation is don't rest on your laurels. God God wants to strengthen you, maybe even expand you in the areas that you think you're already strong. And tied to this, if you'll notice also in Joshua chapter 1, He says, okay, if you really want to prosper, make sure you meditate on the Word of God. He's not saying just memorize it and be a Bible scholar. He's He's basically saying, remember, as you go forward, make my word to have greater weight than the word of your culture, the word of your experience, and the word of your opinion. Many times as we go forward, we encounter a culture that actually is incompatible with God's ways of thinking and doing things. And God say, no, 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 no. Just remember, God's word's always right. It's always smarter than the very best in the world has to do. So as you go forward, meditate. Don't stray. You don't have to be a religious guy beating people up with the word of God. But make sure, yeah, we all believe God, uh, the word of God is it's the word of God. And we believe it has final authority. You only find out how much authority the Word of God has in your life. When the Word of God conflicts with the Word of your culture, what do you choose? Or when the Word of God conflicts with your opinions or your experience, who's right here? That's when we find out who we really believe. And he's sitting there going, look, you're going to have battles. Just make sure that you hold the Word of God as as life-giving, And having final authority in conflicts between what you think and what God said. And then you'll be prosperous. So uh, right in that devotional, God's saying be strong and courageous. And make sure that you get into the word. And make sure the word has a higher place in your life than your experience your opinions. You don't throw away your experiences, you don't throw away your opinions, and you don't necessarily throw away the views of the culture, but when there's a conflict, who should win? Probably God. He's smart. So one way that God prepared Joshua in the tent, it's amazing, was he said, remember, read your Bible, get used to it, When there's conflict, just surrender to the truth of God's word. Just do that and you'll be prosperous. And the place that you think you're strong, look to me and I'll strengthen you in the places of your strength. Of course, we all know that God will also strengthen us where we're weak. But sometimes we rely too much on the strength that we think we have. And God wants to strengthen supernaturally um, the strength that we think we have. So that's one way to prepare. The second one is double down. This is like really emphasize your personal relationship with the Lord. Um, This is something that Joshua really understood because of how he was mentored by Moses. God reminds him in Joshua 3 that in order to go forward, You've got to double down. You've got to re-emphasize not just talking to God and hearing what he has to say, but your personal relationship with God. There are a lot of people, they do a lot of talk and they communicate, but their hearts are not connected. There There isn't a real close relationship. There's communication without relationship. God's going, no, 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 no. I want us to be tight. In Joshua 3, he says, I want you to follow the ark the manifest presence of God. I want you to follow the Holy Spirit because where I'm taking you, you've not been this way before. This is is a way of preparing. Before it was time to go over, he's going, look, make sure you're locked down and just learning how to connect with the Holy Spirit. As you connect with the Holy Spirit, he'll lead and guide and you'll be able to navigate things. That's how you go forward. Now here's what's interesting. that that preparation, that I want you to have this connection, there's a couple things that I think would be good for us to remind ourselves. A personal relationship with Jesus is accessible. It is accessible to all us because of what Jesus did, we can come into his presence. Um, But there's more than that. There's more than we can come to Jesus and we can connect with him and he'll help us in our time of need in second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 hopefully this has been a a scripture we've all you know embraced during this time it's really interesting the progression god says you know my people that would be us would humble themselves and by that i I believe that means hold lightly our own opinions and experiences hold them lightly maybe god's got a better idea And, and then if they would pray get the conversation going, just start talking to God, ask him, just just figure it out, just just talk and pray, right? And then the next thing is, and seek my face. Now the word face there, I believe the Hebrew word is peniel, probably mispronounced it, and it means presence. It's one thing to talk with God, it's another thing to seek his presence, that sense of connection. When we get that sense of connection, what happens when we seek his face we will turn from ways that displease him uh, it's just an amazing thing i when i connect with god and i go oh your presence is good oh, you love me and he'll go hey about this you're pretty you're pretty you know, mean to your kid you need to apologize to me and your kid and because i'm connecting with him not just having a conversation because i'm connecting with him i go oh, you're right and it's easy to turn Now, so that connection with God is available to us. And if we would seek his face, that sense of thing, if that's our goal, not just getting our needs met, but that sense of connection, God will show us the things that get in the way of that sense of connection. And here are his promises. He'll hear us. Second, he'll forgive us. That's good news. But then he says he'll heal our land. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm not trying to be militant, but I believe 2 Corinthians 7:14, with its emphasis on connect with God so you're connecting with Him, not just having conversations. If we will do that, then we'll get changed, and then God will start doing extraordinary things in our land, and He may even use us. In America, because you know we have guns and everything like that. Um, I've preached on this little, little uh, topic. And I said that if we will connect with his presence and just make adjustments in our own personal lives and things like that, if we'll do that, God will weaponize the church. I mean, weapons so we can advance the kingdom, bring life and all that sort of stuff. So Joshua, I mean, he said, look, I want you not just have great devotions, you gotta connect with the presence, because as you navigate, right, as you follow the Holy Spirit, you'll be successful. And because you're following the Holy Spirit, you'll have incredible impact. So first preparation is receive from God, especially in those areas where you think you're strong. And maintain a high priority of God's word when it conflicts with the, the, the word of the world and our own opinion. And here's the third thing. This is implied in Joshua. When God says, look, uh, Moses is dead. New day, new ways. There's something about us that what's familiar and what's controllable is somehow preferable to some of the things that God has for us. How do we prepare for the new things? How do we do that? Um, I'm going to tell a story and give you a scripture, and then I'll pray for us. Um, But this third form of preparation is embrace, just don't put up with, embrace change. Don't change for change's sake, but embrace new seasons. Embrace it going, God, I'm used to that. Teach me how to do my life differently, how to treat my wife differently, how to do church. Just teach me. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to embrace it. There's something... In a godly way, violent. Like I want to embrace change. I'm gonna tell a story. This is passed down to me. Some guy. Um, I believe it's a true story. There was this uh, this man he was a minister, and he had a son. Well, he had a couple sons, but his old, oldest son. His name was Benjamin. No, this is not about me. And um, his son was coming up to his. Uh, I believe it's his 12th birthday. And um, Benjamin was a great son, meaning in this home, his room was always cleaned up when he was done playing. And in that home, cleaning up meant do whatever you want, but when you clean it up, you put all your toys, all your extras, you know, all that sort of stuff, into a specified place in a large closet. Okay? And Benjamin was great at it. I mean, you know, he had a radio. This is back in the day. You know, a radio with a little cassette player. He had building blocks. He had all this sort of stuff. He had some science experiments. He had a whole bunch of stuff, but when it was time to clean it up, boom, it went in the closet. So his dad comes up to him and says, hey, son, your birthday's coming up. Could you, could you seek the Lord and see what he would have me get you for your birthday? Now, I wish I had a dad like that. <laughs> um, I probably would lie and go, God told me to get me a Ferrari. He told you to get me a Ferrari. That's probably what I would have done. But he said, and, you know, Ben said, okay, Father, I will do that. I will do that. So a couple days later, he comes in and says, well, son, uh, how's it going? Fine. He goes, hey, hey, son, you do such a good job cleaning, but could we go over your closet? Why, sure, Dad. He opens up the closet and he goes, you know, son, you've got a lot of stuff in your closet. you got it packed in there, but you've got some things back when you were, like, three years old. And there's some broken stuff that you don't use anymore. And gosh, is that something dead? I mean, son, it's a mess. There's a lot of good things, a lot of things that are broken that need to be fixed, and a lot of things you don't need anymore. Like pfft, You've either outgrown them or... Gosh, it, it makes your closet smell. Uh, so how about you and I, son, father and son, let's go clean up your closet. And you know what Benjamin said? He goes, that's my closet. That's my, don't touch my closet. Right? And father said, okay, I'll leave you alone. A couple of days later, he goes to his son and uh, he goes, uh, have you been praying? Yes, dad. I think I know what God wants you to get for me. Now, this is back in the day, all right, before MP3, before anything digital. All right, they just had uh, CDs. He Dad, I've just got this AM FM radio with a little cassette thing, and uh, I want a boom box. Boom box? Yeah, a boom box with detachable speakers and where I can put four or five CDs in it It's got AM, FM, and and the speakers are detachable. That's what I want. I go, why would you want that, son? Well, I get to do more. There's more I can do with it, and it has a whole lot more power. He goes, okay. Great idea. So he walks out, and the next day he goes, hey, son, I want to get you that boombox. I want to give you something where you can do more, you could have greater capacity, and you'd have greater power. I would really like to do that, but I can't. Why not, Father? Can we not afford it? No, no, it's not that. Son, could you come with me to your closet? Let's open your closet. Son, there's no room for your boom box in that closet. I just don't know what to do. I can't, because you know the rules. What should we do? You know what Benjamin said? He goes, Dad, how about you and I, let's get together. Let's go through my closet. Let's get rid of things that I no longer need. Let's clean out some of the nasty black stuff that's making it smell. My gosh, there's some young things, uh, things that I had when I was young. Let me repair them and I'll give them to other people. And if I can just get, just clean out my closet, there'll be more than enough room for, a boom, for the boom box. And And the father said, That's a great idea. And sure enough, there was room for the boombox. Benjamin embraced change. He prepared for what his father wanted to give him. And so he's willing to have his closet cleaned out. During this time, we have a lot of time on our hands, I'm sure, a lot of anxiety. But what a great opportunity! To look through the closets of our souls do we have unforgiveness do we have resentment Uh, are we starting to see certain patterns that we've been managing but now god wouldn't it be great if your father in heaven and you just spent a little bit of time cleaning out the closet so that god can give you more capacities to do kingdom work and with a little bit more power That's what it is to prepare. That's what it is to embrace change. Um, And if you need a scripture, I think that's just a cool example. Um, But, you know, Benjamin learned that the promises of God are more more important than some of the things in our closet that we're holding on to that we have no need to, to actually get in the way. An almost 12-year-old learned that i have to learn that on a regular basis but there's a scriptural foundation here hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 this is we're on a race we're on a journey we're not static christians we're on a journey to be transformed from glory to glory to experience the fullness of why we're here on planet earth he's got plans and purpose for us there are promises for he's got all that And so we're on a journey we're running a race so as we run our race we're we're exhorted so let us also lay aside every weight things in our closet they're not sin but they just sort of take up space and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder And perfecter of our faith. I've got a track record with you as a church. I love you. Pray for you when I come. I just, I have a personal, I got a dog in the fight. And I think, so hopefully you know my heart. I'm not saying you guys are doing it wrong and all, but this is a season. Don't waste this season. Don't waste it. Last week I talked about. Have God teach you to think of things like the way Caleb does. And for, for, how does God want to prepare us individually as a church so that we can move forward in some of the new things of God? So I want to, I want to pray for us, but in particular for this church family, this precious church family. Lord Jesus, God, this church is so strong in so many ways. God, I ask that where they are strong, you would overlay it with a a fresh strength and a fresh courage that, that nobody in Gateway would rely on the exercise of their strengths in the past, but that you would add strength to strength. God, I ask that you would help adjudicate conflicts between what you say and what our culture says and what our opinions say and that we would just, just gently just hold our opinions aside and say, God, please teach us your ways. God, prepare us for the new things by helping us Connect in new, fresh ways to, uh, with your Holy Spirit. May we may we talk to you. May we ask things of you. May may we pray to you. But in the middle of it, may we seek that it's hard to put words around. It, seek that sense of personal connection, because it's it's the ark. It's the presence God's going to lead us and guide us. Refresh our personal connection with the Holy Spirit. God, I ask that you would, you would give us that childlike embracing of change that, be, that, that little Benjamin demonstrated. God, we, we invite you into our closet, have your way, not so that we'd be more lovable, but so there'd be more room in our lives for greater capacities and greater power to make you real wherever we set our foot bless Gateway as they go forward in the journey that you have set out before them. Amen.